Amen. You can have a seat. My name is Liz. And uh, last week I forgot to state the obvious. And that is I have a slightly different American accent than most of you. And so if you're confused as to why I sound a little strange, the quick version is I was born in Scotland, raised in South Africa, and I'm more American than I am anything because I've now officially lived here more years than I've lived in any other country. So now you can stop worrying about why I sound so strange, and then you'll be able to listen to what I have to say. So today is Mother's Day. I have my slide, Happy Mother's Day. And you can see the theme that we've had going on. There are carnations in that slide. There were carnations behind all the words that you sang. And lo and behold, if you can see, there are 100 carnations down the front. It's 99. Um, I took one out. And so if you are female, you are welcome to a carnation at the end of the service. doesn't matter how old you are. You can be a teen. You can have a carnation too. And... Um, this is for as you're leaving after the service today, so please feel free. You do not have to be a mother to accept a carnation. And um, we're carrying on with a series, uh, The Victor and the Prize. This is a series that we're doing between Easter and Pentecost. And we're looking at the different things that we have access to as a result of Jesus' death on the cross. And today, which I think is quite an apropos topic, given that it's Mother's Day in one way, the prize of resurrection life. And life in general is usually associated with mothers. And um, we're going to talk a little bit today about uh, what that means. But I know that today, being Mother's Day, um, whether you are male or female, uh, can be a mixed bag of emotions today. There may be positive emotions, negative emotions, sadness. Uh, three years ago, a week ago, I lost my mother, so I understand the pain that a lot of people feel. Um, there's also great joy if you've just become a mother or you're going to become a mother, and there's probably every emotion in between. And as I said, this applies whether you're male or female, um, because at some point we all had a mother. And so I want to just acknowledge that before we start in. And um, I'd like to pray again before, before we uh, carry on with the service. So, Lord, I, I thank you that you have given us life, that no matter how we were physically brought into this world, that you are the one who continues to give us life. And so I pray for every thought, emotion, memory that is whirling through our heads right now. I pray that you would come and that you would bring a stillness to our hearts, that you would bring an ability to hear your voice this morning, that you would speak through me to each and every person in the room to allow us to be open to receive the love and the life that you have for us. I pray that nothing would block that this morning. In Jesus' name. Well, we do have a nice surprise. Um, our very own... Uh, cast of actors were involved in uh, the making of a video this morning, I mean, for this morning. And so we're going to um, do that before we go any further. 
My favorite thing about my mother is that she makes delicious dinners. I like that she's really nice, and in the morning she would come into my room and hug me. She's always there for me and to help me and snuggle me and kiss me. She is so kind and gives really good advice. <laughs> and that she always gets me what I want, like candy and stuff. Really? I love her. Mm -hmm. I like to play video games. I spend time with her. Both of us really like cats. My favorite thing about my mother is that she loves turtles, and then when I give her something, she calls me um, on the phone when she's at work, and then um, then she says um, that she likes it, and then when she comes home, she will um, hug me and say I like them now. What I like about my mom is that she makes awesome guacamole. Helping me doing my homework and I and that we always have fun. She's very caring and that she takes care of me, my brothers and sisters. Very good and that she's very silly. My mom takes care of us. My sister, my mom, she helps me when I need help. I love her. My favorite thing about my mother is that she's nice. My favorite thing about my mother is that she's very nice and kind. My favorite thing about my mother is that she's nice. She's really nice and she's a really good singer. She always helps me with the baby. My favorite thing about my mother is that she loves me and I love her back. That she loves. My favorite thing about my mother is how she makes me pretty. She's always playing with me and she's really nice. Is that she plays with me. Sometimes that um, she plays with me and she does something really good and I give her a surprise. What kind of surprise? Um, like something like a hug or a kiss. Yeah. Do you love her? Yeah. Does she give you hugs and kisses? Yeah. My favorite thing about my Titi is that she um she always makes my favorite dinners and that she always plays with me and my cousin 
and she's very fun to be around. She can let us make a fire. Anything else? That's all she lets us do. Okay. <laughs> I'm thankful for my mom because she raised me and without her I wouldn't be alive. She lets me um stay at the playground sometimes when I want to. Anything else? No. Okay. And she puts me to bed. I like it because sometimes she puts me to bed with my favorite thing. What's your favorite thing about your mother? Is it that she dresses you up so pretty? Anything else? What is, that? is it that she makes you really good food? Huh? Good food. She makes you good food. Nice. Anything else? Yeah. She. I dress her. I dress her. Mama dress me up. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you to Lisa Grace. Uh, that was in dedication at the end was to Lisa's mom. Weren't they cute? You were all that size once. I'm so glad you're still not that size. I'm so glad you don't think of things the way that they think of things. Um, but it is an interesting exercise when you ask a child, what do you like about your mother? I mean, there is a th lots of different expressions as to what uh, touches the heart of a child. And we all know that there's a million things that the children didn't say, because as soon as you put a camera in front of someone, they kind of just go blank. And um, there were some of them that I found quite interesting. Make me a fire. That's a really good one. <laughs> And I, I hope he's not uh, making the fire often. <laughs> but today I would like to, um, are we going to look at the central theme of resurrection life? And um, the main premise that we're going to look at today, and the main theme that I want to bring out from today, is the ability to look, I've got wires coming out the back of me here. Um, to look at this in a certain way, to look at um, today's sermon in a, in a, a different a mindset, a paradigm um, that allows us to live fully in the present with a knowledge of the past and a promise of the future. This is all based on the theme that we're going through in Revelations where Jesus died and he now has the keys to death, death and Hades. This is a recurring theme every week. 
And um, if you can put this, there's the slide. And so if you look at the slide, we have the present, past, and the future in the form of a cross. So today we're going to look at the resurrection life that was obtained for us at the cross. And what does that look like? How does that make, why does it make any difference? What do we do today, tomorrow? How do we think about yesterday based on the fact that um, Jesus died on the cross? We're going to look at a few little scriptures. Um, The scriptures are all from the NLT, New Living Translation. And the scriptures you see on the slide will be an abbreviation often of the uh, full-blown scripture. So if you have your Bibles with, uh, with you, you can turn to the scriptures with me. If you don't have one, we have Bibles down here. You're more than welcome to come and take one. We're going to start with a very familiar um, verse, John 3.16. I'm sure many of you can quote this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. This is a a, a very well-known scripture. We're going to look again at uh, another scripture, John 10. Verse 10. This is a very appropriate scripture for the theme of the resurrection life. It says here, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. This is a very, very appropriate scripture for today. When we look at that cross and we view the present right now, we look at the past and we look at the future, sometimes our past has been filled with things that we didn't plan for, Um, things that were very damaging, very hurtful. And um, God is not blind to those things that have happened to us. And what Jesus was saying here, what it says here in the scripture, the thief's purpose, this is not God's design for our past to have been filled with anything that's hurtful or our present or our future. It's the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But the resurrection life that Jesus has given us because of what he did on the cross is to give us rich and satisfying life so that we're not left with the pain um, from the past. Now, we're going to look at the three aspects, the past, the present, and the future. When we think of the past, how's life been for you so far? Those of you who are anything older than probably a year and a half, will have some memories that they can remember from the past. And um, as I said, past can be good, past can be hurtful. On a day like today, on Mother's Day, sometimes the good and the bad are a little bit more intense. One of the things that when we look at the resurrection life and the power of Christ's death, what it gave for us is salvation. So it gives us the ability to no longer be separated from God. It gives us the hope of eternal life. We are, it gives us the ability to have our sin forgiven. And each and every person who's experienced God in a powerful way and come to a personal relationship with him, at some point in your life, there was a pivotal moment when you knew that you knew 
that God was real, that he loved you, and that your life was never going to be the same from that day forward. And I pray maybe for someone that's going to happen to them today. So when we look at that event in a person's life, when that resurrection life that Jesus gave us becomes real, the past is gone. The present is here, and the future has a different kind of hope because of our understanding now of God and his relationship in our life. But if you have been a Christian for many years, that event was a long time ago. And we can't rest on the fact that that happened a long time ago because the past is not just 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 1 year ago. The past is yesterday. The past is this morning. The past is 5 minutes ago. So the past is, is something that is, is with us, is current, and we are shaped by our past. Um, you see all these little kids that were up on the screen this morning telling you all about your mother. They will not look like that when they're teenagers. We have living proof. There are a few of them over here down in the front. Um, I'm sure if we ask the, the teens that are here that same question, we might get a, a different kind of answer. Um, and so thankfully, we don't stay the same. We grow, we mature, and we change. We are shaped by our past. We are shaped by who our parents are. We are shaped by where we live. We're shaped by our socioeconomic circumstances. We're shaped by our relationship with God or with people, and they all influence us. But we can't allow ourselves to be stuck in the past. Any of you, a simple little uh, thing, any of you have any idea of what you wanted to be when you grew up? You know, usually when we're in elementary school, everybody wants to be a fireman or a teacher or some people might want to be a nurse. And um, not many people want to be, um, you know, well, some people might want to be an architect, but there, there are certain things when little kids, those are the things that they've come into contact with, so those are the things that they want to be when they grow up. And then as we grow and as we mature and as our life changes, so we become influenced by other things and we decide we want to be things like myself being an occupational therapist or something. I did not know about them when I was five, so I didn't know that's what I wanted to be. But if we were to allow ourselves to be stuck and shaped by what we thought we wanted in the past, whether it was when we were five or when we were 55, 65, 85, whatever age you are, and whether it was a month ago or a year ago or three years ago, if you allow yourself to be stuck in that, you won't live the full and rewarding life that Christ died on the cross to give you. And... Um, I have a personal story about that. I grew up in, um, as I said, I was born in Scotland, went to South Africa when I was 11, and I was a pretty good little girl. I just did what I was told. I didn't really do anything bad. My brother and sister climbed the trees, fell out, broke bones. I just stayed home and probably tattled on them when they got back. I don't know. Um, you know, I, I just was normal, went to school, got good grades, went to high school. I never really did anything terrible that I, my mother might have a different perspective on it, but, you know, that I can remember, I just did normal things and um, graduated from high school, went to university, got good grades, just was, you know, normal, and then I met this guy, and uh, his name was Rob, and um, he was a little uh, different from me, and lived life a little differently, and he was very adventurous, 
And so one of the first trips we took together, he said to me, how would you like to go on a hike? And I said, a hike? What do you mean? You know, I mean, a stroll was my idea of a hike. No, 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 we're going to go hiking. Well, how are we going to? No, 10 days. So what do we do? No, no, no. We just, we walk from hut to hut. And he showed me pictures. And I'll never forget, there was a picture of this fire in this little hut. And it was so romantic. And it was so pretty. And there was this lovely thing. And it was just like, yes, I like that idea. Because I was totally smitten by him. And so I said, yes, yes, okay, we'll go on a hike. No, no, we drive up to this place. It's a few hours drive. And then, and then we hike. But he will carry everything. I said, okay. So... We get ready for this hike. The backpack that he is carrying is so heavy that he has to kneel down. I push this thing on his back. And then, and then he failed to tell me that, well, his car really wasn't working so well, and so we were actually going to hitchhike. So you can imagine this picture my mother does, did not know. So we hitchhiked however many hours, and that was when it was still safe to do it, and we got up to this place in the Eastern Transvaal, and we started walking. I mean, really, I probably had never walked more than a half an hour at a time. Um, and so we walked, and I'm halfway up the first day, and I'm like, this is insane. And then I keep thinking, look at the small things. I look at little caterpillar, and I'm like, okay, I will have stories to tell when I'm done. I'm not even halfway through the first day, and we have 10 days to go. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So we get to the end of the 10 days. I make it. That's a whole story. We get back to my mom, and... Um, she finds out we hitched hike. She's not really thrilled. And then Rob takes off. He has to go do his professional squash thing. And I'm home and I'm sick as a dog, throwing up everything you can imagine. My mother is like, what did he do to my daughter? He's gone. She can't do anything. So my brothers are like, what happened to you? Who are you? You know, what, since when do you go hiking? Now, that's the story of my life. I met, I've done all kinds of crazy things I would never have done if I hadn't met him. So, you know, if I had got stuck in my little box of what I thought I was at age 18, 19, 18, I met him when I was 19, I mean, I would never have done what I did. But thankfully, somebody came into my life, changed my mind, opened the door to all the kinds of crazy things, jumping out of planes, hiking for 10 days, you know, leaving, all the things I'd never thought that I could do, would do, and have enjoyed doing, and look at the richness of my life since then. And so you may have stories of that too. You may have the opposite scenario. You may have been the wild and crazy person, and then all of a sudden somebody helped you realize that life can be stable and you can have joy from you know, doing things that normal people do. But there's a scripture that I want to read to you that God tells us about the past and how we are to, to view it and how we are to allow him to access this resurrection life, the life, the fullness of life, not just the salvation experience, but every day making a choice to view your past differently than you might have viewed it at one time. So in Romans 6, 12, uh, verse 22, I'm going to read a little bit before and a little bit after. It says here, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin 
which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So this lets us know that we have a choice of how we can move forward. No matter what our life has been like in the past, no matter what decisions we've made, good, bad, or ugly, indifferent, we no longer, we do not have to stay there. The resurrection life that is available every single day allows us to say, I do not want to choose that past anymore. I want it to be different. And this is an important mind shift that I'm trying to get across today. It's not that we're talking about an event that happened with salvation. That was powerful, but it's every day But because of what Christ did on that cross, the very present moment that we're in is shaped by the decision we make about the past that we have had. If you've had a very bad week, a very bad day, a very bad night, you can choose to give that to God, receive the life that he's going to give you by ways that you don't even understand how he's going to change it. And choose that today you're going to give it to him and you're going to look forward to tomorrow being different. If we get caught living in the past, we miss the present. So if we look at um, the present, how is it that we're able to live every day thinking of today as a new day and not being held captive by the past? Or how many of you are paralyzed by thinking of the future? Any mothers in the room? How many hours do you spend worrying about who your children will marry? Will they make it to college? Will they make it through high school? Will they even get into kindergarten? And how will you survive when they go to kindergarten? Do you remember being in kindergarten and your mother was crying at the bus when you left to go to kindergarten because, you know, heaven forbid something should happen to her child when she's gone for two and two hours and 20 minutes or something that they send you to kindergarten for. You know, we can be paralyzed by worrying about what the future holds just as much as we can be paralyzed about focusing on what happened in the past. And today, what my prayer is that we would, God would be able to bring to mind each and every one of us, what are the aspects of our life where we're stuck? What are the things that are, that are, are bringing fear and anxiety in us because we can't let them go? And allowing ourselves to be, um, to be set free from that. In Romans 7, it says here in verse 6, we have been released from the law, for we die to it. We're no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way, of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, that each and every one of us sitting in this room has access to forgiveness. We have access to the ability to forgive others. We have access to let go of what we did or didn't do yesterday, last week, last year, because we are no longer bound by sin, because we have the ability to come to Jesus because of what he did on the cross and say, this is what I don't know how to deal with. I give it to you and I choose to live this moment because you are giving me life. That seems really simple, does it not? I mean, it sounds good in theory. 
And, you know, when I was preparing the sermon, I was like, okay, well, it's pretty simple. You know, you've got the past, the present, and the future. But the more I thought about it, I thought, hmm, when we really, really think about it, if you really are truthful and honest with yourself, every day you do something is shaped by how you've thought of the past and how you're thinking of the future. has to be in a lot of ways, but there's certain things that, um, that, we need to, that we need to let go of. There's also something that's very helpful for staying in the present, and that is the ability to give thanks. All those little kids in the video today, what do you like most about your mom? I mean, think about what they said. They're thankful for the candy, for the hugs, for the blanket. There's an element of, of gratitude for what their mom does for them. And one of the things that is helpful for us to stay in the present and allow ourselves to, to really accept the fact that God has something more for us is to, thank, to, to be aware of the thankfulness in our heart for whatever it is we've had. If you've had this great relationship with your mother, to be thankful for that. If you've had a bad one but it got better, to be thankful for that. For the fact that when you were in a certain situation, God was with you, God was present with you. That ability to give thanks is something that is really important in order to be able to stay in the present. The other thing that's important for us when we're dealing with the past and letting go of it, thinking of the future, and to be able to stay in the present is to realize that there is nothing that you can do or omit to do that is going to hold you bound, that God is not going to know or understand. There are some people in this room that if you came and spoke to me and told me about your life, I probably would not be able to understand. There's things that have gone on in my life that I explained to them you wouldn't be able to understand. If you haven't gone through it, it's difficult to understand it. But in Hebrews 4, um, verse 13 through 16, it says that nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable for. And it says here that this great high priest understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. So this is important for, for me, important for you to realize that you think something is unforgivable. You think something no one can understand. And maybe no one you physically know will understand. But God always knows and understands. So the paradigm that we're looking at is being able to be present by acknowledging the past and looking at the promise for the future. It's not denying the past. And it's not being paralyzed by the future. We're not ignoring what has happened to us, but we're not going to be held back by it. Do you know that God really loves you despite what you do for work? The title that you have as mom, the title that you have as dad, the title that you have as your professional job, the title that you have in church does not define you in God's eyes. It helps identify what you do. It says things about you, but it doesn't define you. And I think that today, especially uh, Mother's Day, I think that it's important for all of us uh, females, whether you're mother or not, to realize that you, the role that you play as a caregiver, 
whatever stage of life you're in, is just a role. It's not you, per se. It's something that you do, but God looks at you and does not judge you by how good or bad you have been as a mother, caregiver, daughter, sibling. He looks at who you are inside. He looks at who he knows you're to be. And that's what defines you in God's eyes, not what you do or do not physically do. How can we take what we know from the past, allow us to let it go so we can be in the present? But what do we do about the, uh, about the future? How does the resurrection life that God has given us shape the future? Does God have any interest in what you do tomorrow? It's a lot easier for us to think about God and forgiveness and the past, yes? We all look to God for forgiveness. We all want to say, okay, this is what's happened to me. You know. But how many of us really honestly give the future to God? That's a little harder to do. It's a little scary to give up control of the future. When Rob and I left South Africa and we came to America, we, we did just that. We said, Lord, guide us. We had no idea what we were coming into. And many of you have had many situations in your life where you have not known what the future holds. But the resurrection life, the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus, the fact that you have access to the power of God, means you can make the plans that lo- the Lord says. You, you, he says, plan. But the future is something that's very scary to lose control over and to give to God. And I think that today that might be one of the challenges for most people is to be able to say, I don't want to be the same as I was. But what does it look like to be different? For a lot of us, it's hard to see our siblings, our children, our spouses as being anything different than what they are today. But there's no reason for any of us to stay the same. If we're willing to give the future to God, we can be different and he can use us to change somebody else's life. And that is what he wants to do. That's what he has chosen to use the church for. When he came, he came for salvation. He came to give us life. And then he chose to form the church where people and believers would be together impacting each other and we would make a change. You might look at yourself, think of yourself today. I don't know how you view yourself, whether you view yourself as an influencer, a mover, or a shaker, or somebody who just doesn't have any purpose. Everybody has a different view of themselves. But I know one thing. And I know it really, really clearly. God does not view you as a stagnant, washed-up rag. You laugh, you laugh. I know you all think that way some way, sometime. And especially the older you get. The older you get, the more you begin to think, yeah, I'm not this age anymore, I can't do this or can't do that. Or if you've finished your career already. But God does not view you as stagnant. He doesn't view you as the same. He views you as someone he is able to use to impact somebody's life. And I was praying today about, Lord, well, how, what difference does it make? What, what can I say today that's going to make any difference about when we leave this building? 
How can we leave here different from when we came in? I'm talking about the present, the fact that the past could have been two minutes ago and the future is when you leave this building. How are you going to leave here any different than when you came in? And my prayer is that God would use each and every one of us today in a way that we might not be comfortable with to change the life of somebody else. But I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to be used to affect somebody else, but I know someone who does. And the Lord is saying, ask me. Ask me what I want you to do for me. Ask me what tomorrow can bring. Ask me to give you a promise of the future. What, what can you do that's different from today? What could you be like? When, what are you going to be when you grow up, even although you might be 65? God has plans for you, and today is a day that we need to be able to access that. So I'd like to take some time to just have us uh, ponder what's been said today. If you just uh, give ourselves some time to think this through. Because my prayer has been that as we've been sitting here listening, that God has been working in each and every one of our minds. I've been saying things to try and trigger things. That God is going to bring to mind a, a, a vision that he gave you of the future a hope that he gave you of the future, a dream that you had that you gave to him that hasn't come true yet, or something that you've been too afraid to believe might happen or too afraid would happen. And all of those things today is what I would like to take some time now to be able to just be quiet in our chair and give that over to the Lord. So if you're comfortable with it and you can just close your eyes or just try to uh, not look around so that you can allow yourself time to think. Lord, I pray that right now, where we are at, each and every one of us, that you would bring to mind what you have for us, what you have for us when we leave this building, and what you have for us in the years to come. I pray by your Holy Spirit that now, even before the worship team and the prayer team come, that you would come and change us. I'm going to read a scripture over us while we contemplate this. It says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And Lord, I pray right now for those of us who are stuck in the way that we think, for those of us that can't see past the uh, past or can't anticipate the future, that right now the ability to transform us would happen, that the power of God would be present in each and every one of our lives, that even in the smallest way, we would be surprised by the fact that you can allow us to be different tomorrow than we are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to encourage you, if I had my little card here, if you would like to, where did it go? Oh, here we go.
I don't know if you can see this little card. It basically says God's stories at the top, and it's white and lined, the rest of the paper. But I want to hold it up because, you know, a visual gets your attention. If you have stories, if something happens to you today and the Lord has prompted you and something changes, I would encourage you to come back to church next week during the week anytime and fill out a God stories form. They're at the very back of this room before you go out into the foyer. There's a box where you can put them. But I would like you to try to, to be brave enough to fill out a card because the stories that we hear from each other about what God does gives us faith that God is alive and well and can change all of us by hearing what he does to someone else. And if you are willing to be videoed um, telling your story, just put video at the bottom. And, you know, at some point, sometime, um, somebody may be able to come and video that story. So if the worship team would come up. Kevin, do you have anything to help us with from this morning? Thanks, Liz. Uh, God is good. I just want to share a couple things from prayer this morning. Um, maybe there's uh, someone here today uh, who's uh, lost a child or maybe you've lost someone else. Um, I believe the Lord wants to give you healing, hope, and comfort. And um, because Christ lives, uh, we can face tomorrow. Uh, and then secondly, uh, in view of ourselves, um, Maybe there's someone here who feels like you've you've lost or, or never had a sense of value or worth, and uh, I believe the Lord wants to restore um, that sense of value or worth and show you his love. Um, and if there's anything else uh, we can pray with you about, we, we'd love to spend a few minutes praying with you. Thank you. We're going to have our last worship song, and then you're free to go out into the lobby, meet someone you, you don't know. Um, if you are female, uh, the kids are going to be bringing the carnations out to the back door. Please don't leave before you take one. And um, pray that the rest of the day is different in a positive way than what you expected it might be. While they're playing, if you uh, want prayer of any kind, please feel free to come forward. When you come and sit in the front row, that allows the prayer team to know that you would like to be approached for prayer. Otherwise, they will not approach you. You're welcome to stay in your seat and ponder what God has been doing. Or at that point, please um, leave, enjoy coffee and uh, conversation with someone out in the foyer. <laughs>